You're listening to the Sage Hill Podcast with Dr. Chip Dodd. Sage Hill is a social impact organization that helps people see who they are made to be so they can do what they're made to do. In this podcast, Chip sits down with his longtime friend, Stephen James, to discuss the art of listening. Chip, you and I both, for our, our career and our work, are in some ways professional listeners. We sit and listen to people. They tell us their stories. Um, you know, recently I was, I was working with a, a young man, and he was talking, and he just started crying. He said, what's happening to me? And I said, well, I'm listening to you. And he said, no one's ever done that before. It's a 20-something-year-old man. And he was used to, as we started to talk, he was used to people monologuing with each other. Yeah. Where he says one thing, and then while he's talking, I'm waiting to say what I'm going to say, so I say it back. And so we have these, these uh, dueling monologues. You know, that's how most people have a conversation. Yeah. And what struck me real profound in that conversation with that guy was that we don't listen. Like, people don't listen. And I know in my own life, like as a counselor, I listen pretty well. But when, I, when it comes to Heather, I'm not the best listener. When it comes to the kids, I'm not a great listener. When it comes to friends, I'm not a super listener. And, Chip, I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with is we don't listen. Yeah. We don't know how to listen. No one's yeah. taught us to listen. We don't practice yeah. listening. I'll so, tell you. That's it. I just I want to hear you, you know, talk uh, about that. Well, there's so many directions that I want to go, but I'll tell you. Uh, you talked about listening professionally, and then you kind of separated it. Like I don't listen to you know my wife as much, Heather, and so on. Who I'm like I don't listen to Heather, and so when it became personal, somehow we lose the capacity to what we think of as listening to hear another person's story and give feedback into it or offer them the the value of what it's like to be seen because if you and I are really listening to somebody then we're also seeing them mm. in fact I've often compared it to uh, you know people watching an action movie or, or you know boxing when somebody's really watching boxing their their bodies begin to move with the boxing movements because they're getting emotionally involved they're they're in the scene they're at the place which is which is truly an empathic place they're relating to their own humanity in that condition and that extraordinarily values another person and then when we take it to our families our spouses I mean when it requires we be personally emotionally involved there's something in us that can pull back because we fear the personal involvement because honestly the people that we have married and the children we are rearing and doing relationship with and the friends that are our deep compatriots we have a harder time listening to them because our their decisions uh, their pains their losses their withdrawals also pull us mm -hmm. i mean it truly truly affects our lives and and wherever we are fix it people wherever therapist person pastor professional friend it doesn't make any difference it's not about your profession spouse, yeah. spouse. We, if we can't tolerate the powerlessness that we all we have and if we devalue truly being present 
with another person, we can't really listen to them because mm -hmm. our own worth is at stake, our lives are at stake. I mean, so what, what's happening when we're does that? Yeah, so I'm with someone I care about. Let's just say it's Heather in this instance. <laughs> yeah. <fine. laughs> I was thinking about the woman. The, 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 have you seen the the you? Everybody has seen the YouTube. The woman has a nail in her forehead. And, yeah, it's okay. not about the nail. Yeah. yeah. So, go ahead. It's funny. We will attach that to the, the website. Yeah. People can look at that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that would be that would be really yes. good. Yeah. Yeah. You never listen to me. You never Why listen don't you to listen me? to me? Yeah. And he stops and <laughs> listens, and she's like, "Thank you so much." Yeah. yeah. It's great. Oh. Um, but I, I, so you're saying when I'm with someone that I care about, it's harder for me to listen because I get afraid. I their pain equals threat to us. How so? Well, it, it, there is an attachment, which attachment really does mean a desire not to lose because of the pain that will occur if we lose that person or that place. So wherever we can't handle attachment without control, then their pain equals the threat of our loss. And then we want to tend to grab, grasp at, fix, control, and manage, manage, control, um, put our imprint upon their voices. I mean, Sonia tells me, you're great with everything until I start having feelings. And when I start having feelings, you're Mr. Feeling Guy. And I start having feelings, you end up having a problem. And I said, exactly. Because that my codependency, my inability to really tolerate losing you. And codependency comes from our woundedness in our childhood. Yeah. Yes, because we equate not having, a person having what we think of as negative feelings, which really are the feelings of life. A person having the feelings of life with us equals our being abandoned. Because almost all of us grew up told to, that when, when the big people in our worlds had feelings around us or uh, people were displeased with our behavior, instead of them joining us, we were almost always dismissed or threatened or judged or, or some kind of overlay was put on us about our actions, if that makes sense. That makes total sense, yeah. Yeah, so w w when we really love somebody... We had to be somebody we really weren't in order right. to stay in a relationship. Yes, yeah, so when people have feelings, we go to fixing. And I think a lot of therapists go straight to fixing. They listen from the context of fixing instead of listening from the context of believing that the process will heal them. Mm -hmm. The process of re being... I think a lot of husbands do that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of moms do that. Yes. And the way we hear our children is by trying to protect them from the world instead of uh, their hearts being trained to recognize that the world is going to hurt them terribly and we'll be there when it happens. So that's the why it happens. How can I recognize that I'm doing that in the moment? Is there any way to know I'm not listening? Well, you know, I tell you what, I think about cutting in on people. I think planning what I'm going to say before a person finishes, those two things uh, have caught me numerous times. Mm -hmm. I have caught myself and been caught in those two things. Daydreaming? Uh, well, definitely daydreaming. Checking out? Yeah, checking out. But those other two things, it's like something I'm learning. I'm older now, and, and I'm learning that so many of the stories that people are telling me have a different ending than the one I've impressed upon them. Um, and Say more about that. Well, people aren't categories. I mean, I, as a therapist and as a human, uh, I've heard everything, Stephen. I mean, yeah. I, nothing surprises me that I've done or that others do and that 
that we human beings are not going to get cured. There's no cure for living on human. earth yeah. and being human. Uh, but, but being able to live being human well in all of our foibles and works in progress and wonder, wonderfulness, you know, it's like to trust hearing the story, really listening to the story, it ends up turning out where they're more awful than we feared mm. or thought or sometimes more wonderful than we can imagine. We actually, our lives are increased uh, one way or the other with the heroism of a person being able to persevere through the awful with our attending or the delight that we get to experience hearing a person's triumph or delight. I was taught by somebody recently, in fact, you know, we often associate, it's just become a cliche that a person gets trapped in performance instead of their presence, which I teach, mm -hmm. and that a person's work can become their worth. But this very, very, really great athlete was talking to me, and uh, he, through injuries and different difficulties, he ended up losing his capacity to, to play, to, to live in the athletic world. And at the same time he lost that, he lost his dream. He lost what gave him that sense of direction. And I automatically assumed when I began to talk with him and be with him in the, in the process of loss that, you know, he had mistaken his worth and his performance. That in I'm his, only as good of a person I'm only as, as I am an athlete. Yeah. And in listening to him, instead of impressing my worldview and my experience of other people too, because this doesn't make it not true. But in really listening to him, this is what he taught me. He said, when I was young, I knew that I was really good at this sport and I could do it easily. And I loved it. And I loved getting to see what things could happen. And it was a joy to me. It was like, I believed and knew that I was like able to do it and made to do it. I mean, when a person is in their creativity, they have found themselves. Mm -hmm. And they have found a world that in some ways is as good as they were born imagining before right. they could even think. It's, maybe it sounds too poetic. But he said that at a young age, and, and, and even when he started trying to get help with people, everybody automatically impressed upon him this idea that his performance and his worth were tied together. He said that wasn't true. He said, what I, what I realized, he said of himself, is that when I lost my athletic capacity, I was back in helplessness and danger again. And he said that athletics protected me at the same time it left me in danger. He said that when I was young, I realized I was really good. And instead of other people like celebrating that or enjoying that, I began to be harmed by that. He said I would walk into a group of peers and they would say insulting things to me instead of great things to me. And he said that I even knew that I was in danger with parents. Parents would not like me, he said, because... I was better than their child. Better than their child, and their parents were threatened. So he said, I realized I wasn't safe. Coaches wouldn't like you because you're, you're achieving something they couldn't achieve. Yes, and so they're always trying to... you're not going to be as great as they need you to be. Yeah, they're yeah. trying to make you into more than, than you want to be or more than you, you are. You can be, yeah or more than you're ready to be. So, mm -hmm. so what he was telling me, nobody was listening. Nobody was paying attention. Everyone was impressing their worlds upon me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what the truth was. 
until after I lost this thing. And I realized that it wasn't the sadness so much than the grief that I didn't get to related to it. It was that I was, I was struck by terror. I was afraid. Now I'm in true danger. I am helpless without my ability to keep myself safe. The one thing achieving in this sport kept me safe. Without the achievement, I wasn't safe. That talk where I really was heard, listening. Really heard something different. Yes, this person taught me something, one about listening. Pay attention. Attend to what they're saying. Not in some Rogerian way, like that's going to be the cure, but engaging, which means being open to hearing that which I haven't before, but still knowing that I'm going to hear another human talking to a human. Well, you said something earlier that if I'm really listening in that moment, that I'm willing to hear something that's going to make me have deeper feelings that I'm comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Like it's really going to disturb me. Yes. It's really going to excite me. Yes. It's going to take me out of control. Yes. And I'll tell you what, that this man taught me about a world that won't get fixed. He taught me about a sadness that will not get resolved. He taught me that how terrifying we as human beings are to each other and can be to each other, and that this idea of defensiveness, the things we do to keep ourselves safe, which means build an ego to make ourselves untouchable, is actually, there's a rationale to it. It's understandable, of course. There's a wisdom to it. But if we don't gain the capacity to find the truth of ourselves and tell it to another person who will hear it, then we end up losing out on that which we're made to be like, which is in relationship, and we wind up being like the very people who harmed us in the first place. And that may be too much of a circle. No, I think it's a, but, gra I think it's a great connection, which keeps but, us... But, but what I want to say is he taught me, yeah. and that's a listener is able to be taught. In a learning posture. Yes, and when I listen to Sonia, and I'm not trying to find what I need to fix or trying to find out what I need to get her to be like. So you could be okay. Yeah. I'm telling you, I mean, it's like she teaches me things. Mm. So a, a, a listener is somebody who's open to the pain that comes with learning more about how to live. That's great. One of the things, you know, a friend of ours, Dan Anthony, <clears throat> who's the director of spiritual formation at St. Joe Counseling, Dane taught me there's a difference between honest questions and dishonest questions. And he mm. says an honest question is a question I don't know the answer to. Well said. And a dishonest oh, question is a, is a statement mask as a question, yep. an accusation mask as a question. It's a leading question. It's yeah. me trying oh. to get you somewhere. Oh, so when people ask something. questions that they know the answers to, it's like, I, you know, I say, cut the rhetoric and just tell me what you're trying to, trying to yeah. get me to. Get me to it, see. And it, that's infuriating. Yeah, so. That's boxing a person into a corner and then thinking you had a good relationship with them when they finally shut down. They finally agreed with That's, you. Yeah. It's just absurd. Yeah, so honest questions. And, and I've done it, teach, you've done it, oh, and yeah, it's absurd, and I, I hate it. Another thing that we, you know, we talk about a lot and teach is the power of what questions, not why questions. Oh, yeah. And to really listen, you can't ask why questions. Oh, Stephen, that's wonderful, because, you know, what, what, this, this great question for somebody listening is, what happened next? When we're, we're asking a person to tell and struggle with the truth about themselves, I, I don't even want to use the word story. I mean, that's quickly going to become that's, that's a That's one way of knowing the truth of yourself. Yeah. But it's not the only way. No, yeah. 
But um, uh, what happened then? Then what happened? And then where did you go then? And then how did that work out? And we're asking a person to speak about that which is emotionally laden. And when we ask a person, why did you do that? Or why do you think that occurred? Or why? It, it, it leads to dead ends of reasoning. It, it, it leads to the dead end of uh, explanation. And, it, and it's the difference between going to your head and figuring it out and defending versus going to your heart and feeling it through and expressing. So we talk about what? Worst, worst thing we can ask a person is why, why? Oh, okay, why'd yeah. you do that? So what, when, how? Like all those are great questions. What, when, how, and That force where, us to listen. Where? Right? Yeah. The where? God, God's first question to humanity so where was, you, where are you? And the, the answer was not, emotional. Not why did you do that, Adam. Yeah. It's where where are, you? are you? God let himself be in a position to hear the story of the inner man, which put God in a position of pain. Mm. And that question came from a willingness to have pain. And the theologians say that that question was a question of pain, that it was a moan. Uh, oh, no, that which I intellectually, God knew was going to happen because I'm present. I'm God. I'm, I'm, God. I'm, not, I'm omniscient. But God asked a question that was emotionally laden was now that this has occurred, I need to know where you are because your emotional answer is going to be my reconciliation with you. Mm -hmm. Your confession, the ownership of being human, is going to be how I'm going to touch you. And, and, and it was, I was afraid, so I hid. That to me is gigantic. And so when we're really listening to somebody, we're really paying attention to us asking them, where are you? And we're after that which is emotionally laden because that's the true story of a human being. But I, as, Stephen, as I get older, I'm, I'm working at a deeper and deeper recognition. I think that, that I don't know. Well, know. the thing you've taught me that I, I share with other people, and it seems to bring them relief and also great consternation, is it takes a lifetime to learn how to live. Oh, I hate that, but it's true. It's so freeing yep. in that sense I don't have to have all the answers to my life today. Yep. And it's also so so frustrating in that you mean, I'm going to be 80 and still learning yeah. how to live? Yes, 80 years old and still struggling with a lot of the same worries and fears in a, in a different body a different than I had way. when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Same problems. Mm -hmm. Death, loneliness, and, isolation. And listening's one of those. Yeah. Like, hopefully at 80 I'll be a better listener than I am at, at 43. If we take on the second part of life, we have the wisdom of knowing that we're not in control and somehow it's okay. And we want younger people to know it's going to be okay. It's not okay. It's, it's not okay. okay, but it's going to be okay because when you get into the second half of life, if, if there's no God by the second half of life, then you are one of the problems. Uh, you are one of the misery makers, and you are the, one of the reasons that young people do not listen to older people because all you have to share is your misery and your your. You're, what you've created life to be like instead of what you've let yourself receive by opening yourself up to life. You know, you let your, your, your fear guide you and your judgmentalism guide you instead of actually reaching out and listening to what the young people are saying. Tell you something else about listening too is I, don't, I will appear not to listen well because I will cut in over and over again because I'm after the story that they're not telling. 
I don't. I will not spend a whole lot of time listening to a bunch of fluff crap, like I once did, thinking I had to. And it can come down to look. If you're not going to talk about that which is really going on, then I'm wasting your time, and I'm definitely wasting my time. So I want you to know that sometimes listening doesn't look like it. <laughs> you know, I, and and I understand that. You yeah, know, your intolerance for BS is yeah. Uh, extremely low yeah or your intolerance is yeah high, and you know when we're really listening to a person we cannot help but be in some kind of anguish or delight yeah I, 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 I'm certain of that so I can listen for two ways this is what I'm taking away today is I can listen to either figure fix control and survive or I can listen with the posture of hearing learning growing and knowing something about me knowing something about the other and really knowing something about communing, who joining, is and joining. Right. Being who we're made to be. And what you just said is brilliant. You're a genius. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This is Stephen James, the Executive Director of Sage Hill Counseling. Thanks for listening to the Sage Hill Podcast with Dr. Chip Dodd. If you're interested in learning more about the power of our core eight emotions, I encourage you to check out Chip's book, The Voice of the Heart, A Call to Full Living. If you're a therapist, a pastor, or professional that works with people, and you'd like to be better equipped to help people live fully, we invite you to learn more about Sage Hill Training. This is an in-depth experiential training to help you bring your heart to the work you are called to do. You can visit sagehilltraining.com to find out more.